0: Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, December 23rd. The legal back and forth over the school vaccine mandate continues. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. With the Omicron variant taking hold in California, Governor Gavin Newsom announced on Wednesday new measures to slow the spread of COVID-19. First, healthcare workers will now have to be required to get a booster vaccine by February 1st. Second, Newsom is ordering 6 million COVID-19 tests and more screening for K-12 students returning from winter break. And finally, the state's more than 6,000 testing sites will be open for extended hours. Newsom says the strategy will only work if everyone does their part.
1: At the end of the day, nothing we do here at the state matters compared to what you do and the decisions you make at home.
0: Newsom says the number of COVID-19 cases in the state almost doubled in the past week. The California State University System announced on Wednesday that everyone who plans to return to their campuses for the spring semester must get a booster shot by February 28th or six months after they've received their final dose of the original vaccine. Christine Vaughn is the Director of Communications for Cal State San Marcos.
2: There's just been a lot of discussion about the Omicron variant and the spread and what does it mean for our community? What is the best way to protect ourselves? And so the CSU's answer to that is to get the booster shot.
0: It's going to be a wet Christmas Eve. Rain is expected today in San Diego County, and a flood watch has been issued for Thursday night and Friday morning for the coastal, valley, and mountain areas. And for all you Christmas travelers and last-minute shoppers, forecasters say please be careful out there on the roads. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need.
3: Long ago, when the public square was the only place to share news events and happenings, people were drawn to it. Living in community with others was the route to understanding each other and the world around us. The public square has changed dramatically, but our need to learn and understand one another has it.
4: This is Port of Entry. The Parker Edison Project.
3: Listener supported KPBS Cinema Junkie. Thank you for listening to KPBS podcast and for being part of our region's virtual public square, where you learn not only about the headlines of the day, but about culture, music, and the issues that are important to all of us. Help keep the virtual square alive and well. Support podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. And thanks again.
0: The San Diego Unified School Board voted
4: unanimously
0: on Tuesday to appeal a superior judge's decision to strike down the district's vaccine mandate. KPBS's Gustavo Solis has more.
4: San Diego Unified faced pushback almost as soon as they announced a vaccine mandate back in September. Within a month, a group called Let Them Choose sued the district, claiming the mandate was unlawful and unfair to students. And on Monday, Superior Court Judge John Mayer struck down the mandate. Mayer supported the idea of a mandate, but ruled that San Diego Unified went about it the wrong way. The school district did not include religious or personal belief exemptions in its mandate, something the judge says the school district does not have the legal authority to do. On Tuesday, San Diego Unified appealed the judge's ruling. It's unclear why the district didn't simply include religious exemptions in the original mandate, but they did share a statement that read in part, We are 100% determined to maintain the vaccination mandate. Let Them Choose says News of Tuesday's appeal doesn't take away their legal victory. In its statement, San Diego Unified reiterated that the vaccine mandate for all school staff remains in place and has not been challenged in court.
0: And that was KPBS's Gustavo Solis. Emergency repairs are expected to start this week on the iconic Ocean Beach Pier. The 55-year-old pier was damaged by a storm in January. KPBS's Alexandre Ronhell has more from Ocean Beach.
5: So there's three little mackerels we got. We've only been out here less than
0: an hour. Ed Jimenez has been fishing at the Ocean
2: Beach Pier for three years now. He says it's where he goes to unwind from the busy work week. And despite a portion of the pier being closed off to the public, he says it's still his favorite place to fish. Uh, it's a little deeper, so um, yeah, the fishing, the fishing would be a little bit better over there, but uh, um, as far as still having a nice, clean, safe place to fish, uh, this is still, it still does the job. Jimenez appreciates the city making efforts to repair the pier. City officials announced emergency repairs are underway and will take about four months to complete. The west end of the pier being the section that has sustained the most damage from storm conditions and deterioration. In a statement released by Mayor Todd Gloria, he says, We look forward to completing these emergency repairs so San Diegans can once again enjoy everything this iconic landmark has to offer. We are also working on a long-term plan to keep the Ocean Beach Pier accessible and in good shape for generations to come. Earlier this year, Gloria announced $8.4 million in regional funding had been allocated for the pier. However, estimates show a full repair or replacement of the pier is in the $50 to $60 million range. Ovi Pier is the second longest in the West Coast and attracts
0: More than 500,000 visitors annually. And that was KPBS's Alexandra Rangel. A new exhibit at the Japanese Friendship Garden in Balboa Park may inspire you to look at fabric in a whole new way. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando takes you to Nuno, the language of textiles.
3: Nuno is a Japanese-based company that combines the old and the new. It uses independent spinners, dyers, and mills in villages throughout Japan to create what it describes as textiles where nature and tradition are woven with technology. Chad Patton, Managing Director of Material Things, which is the international distributor of Nuno Styles, says the exhibit shows the evolution of textile design.
6: It's Nuno's evolution, but it's also just how textile design on a whole has changed over the last 30 years. And I think NUNO has been a driving force in those changes.
3: Visitors can see up close how paper, tape, and feathers are integrated into fabric with dramatic effect. NUNO, the language of textiles, runs through February 27th at the Japanese Friendship Garden.
0: And that was KPBS arts reporter Beth Akamando. Coming up, with the Omicron variant on the rise, it's looking less likely that it's going to be returned to normalcy this holiday season. KPBS got an update on the situation from a public health expert. We have that interview next, just after the break. Hope for a normal holiday season has trickled away with each day's headlines about the Omicron variant. New case numbers are climbing dramatically as this highly contagious variant circulates among a population with waning immunity. And for now, researchers are still racing to figure out exactly what kind of danger Omicron poses and how to fight it. Dr. Eric Topol is director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute in La Jolla. He spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavna for an update.
5: The FDA has authorized the first antiviral pill against COVID. Tell us about the pill Paxlovid.
6: Yes, this is actually, Maureen, the biggest thing that happened uh, beyond vaccines for the pandemic. I say that for a number of reasons. Firstly, up until now, we've relied on our immune system to help fight the virus, vaccines, and then monoclonal antibodies. But with Omicron, we learned that there's a problem with vaccines and monoclonal antibodies because it can escape our immune system to a significant extent. The great part about Paxlovid as a pill, when taken early, even up to five days, it will work in immunocompromised people even. It works against Omicron and it has an 89% reduction in hospitalizations or death, which is really striking. And it was as safe or even slightly safer than placebo in two randomized trials. One other big bonus, it lowers the viral load in our upper airway by at least tenfold, so it will reduce transmission. And that's really important when you have a hypercontagious contagious virus that's out there right now with Omicron.
5: This is a Pfizer pill. This is Paxlovid again. Do you have to take just one pill?
6: No, it actually is two pills. It's Paxlovid with ritonavir, which is used to increase the blood levels of Paxlovid. It's two tablets of paxlovid, one retinavir twice a day for five days. It comes in a blister pack. It's going to be distributed throughout the United States in the next couple of days. But there's the problem. There's only 200,000 blister packs available. And that's not nearly enough, which is why I called for President Biden to activate the Defense Production Act or some other means of getting production, not to rely on just one company. This is a small molecule. It's easy to make. And we should be getting it mass produced so that it can be used throughout the world.
5: Will people be prescribed the pill when they test positive, uh, considering that there are enough pills in circulation?
6: Assuming that there's enough here in San Diego, they have to have our doctor's prescription to get the, the, the pill pack. And yes, that's what we envision happening as early as uh, the beginning of next week. That's right.
5: The beginning of next week. But, but how will the government ramp up production on the new pill?
6: the production right now sits with one company, and that's not enough. We need other companies to make this at scale quickly. And we've been talking you know, for a whole year about global vaccine equity. Now we're going to be talking about global pill equity. So that's our problem right now. It's going to be in short supply, and uh, the access to it is going to be challenging.
5: I also want to take you back on what we just heard in the previous report. UC San Diego's decision to go back to online classes next month. Is that a good idea?
6: It's the only logical thing once we saw what happened in Cornell, where 97% of the students were vaccinated. And then with a matter of days uh, after coming back from Thanksgiving break, there were over 500 students that were infected with Omicron. And then the whole town in Tompkins County in Ithaca also took a big hit so it's a safe thing to do right now i think i applaud UCSD for making that move the university environment is tough but it doesn't have to be uh, protracted unfortunately it's coinciding with the holiday break anyway so i don't think this is a long-term uh, situation but in light of what we've seen at Cornell and other universities it's a wise move
5: and all CSU schools, including San Diego State, they, they're not saying they're going to go back online, but they'll now require everyone on campus to have a booster shot. Is that enough of a precaution?
6: Well, if we want to really get the precautions up there, it would be the booster, yes, third shot, and rapid tests. Um, that, that combination, uh, along with indoor masking, you know, gets close to a full protection. But, you know, unfortunately, we don't use all the things with air filtration and CO2 monitoring, uh, keeping uh, ventilation windows open. We don't do all the things that we can do to stave off the virus.
5: Now, of course, yesterday, uh, President Biden announced he's making 500 million free COVID tests available to Americans. And that's supposed to start next month. How is that going to help against this surge?
6: Well, it's about a year overdue, Maureen but it's good. Uh, The only problem is 500 million in a country of 330 million people won't get us very far. In Colorado, they're distributing by mail uh, several tests to each resident uh, uh, on a frequent basis. That's what we should be doing in California. The the new plan sometime in January, it isn't specified how we're going to get access to those tests. It's obviously going to be very limited because Five hundred million in such a big country is not going to get us very far, but we should get many billions of rapid tests widely distributed because they will help us manage the pandemic. They've been validated uh, extensively; they're used and relied upon in many other countries around the world, and we're way behind on that.
5: So it sounds like the pill is, as far as you're concerned, a complete game changer when it comes to COVID.
6: Yeah, I you know a lot of people use that term <laughs> or in game changer, but. I just see the pandemic it isn't a game you know it's like this is serious stuff but yes this is transformative as i said it's the biggest thing since vaccines to help us in the pandemic it will be a very big advance in our tool chest to deal with any version of the virus
5: okay so i i want to close this though by acknowledging the fact that no matter what People are going to travel this holiday to see family and friends. Mm -hmm. We've already heard that uh, the airports are expecting um, a lot of crowding. Everything is expecting crowds this holiday. So what's your advice?
6: Well, I totally respect the the desire uh, for people and need to travel uh, over the holidays. Uh, There are many things that you can do. Uh, Certainly using better uh, high-quality masks like KN95s. Uh, would be an important uh, part of that. Uh, You know, I would like, and I have called for uh, our administration to make uh, flights only by passengers with triple vaccination or two shots and with less than uh, four months from their second shot. We haven't done that. That would help because you're sitting on a plane for hours Uh, And it's not good when you can have anybody uh, board the plane who is not vaccinated or not uh, boosted. That would help. We don't have that enacted. It is the case, by the way, Maureen, in Canada and many other countries. And I just don't understand why that hasn't happened here. That would make uh, travel more safe for everyone.
0: That was Dr. Eric Topol, director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute in La Jolla. He was speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Cavanaugh.